We're glad you're here, and we're here to celebrate the birth of the Savior. Now, uh, this morning, I was, I was working on the gym this morning, and a song came on the radio. I hesitate to tell you what it is because it's going to date me quick, um, but some of you are going to be with me. Uh, it was a Beastie Boys song, all right? And so... Uh, I heard this Beastie Boys song on the, come on the radio. Some of the young folks are like, who? Uh, um, unless you like, you know, vintage, cool music. But anyways, um, and it took me back to like my early high school days. Just remember cruising with my friends and, and you know, Beastie Boys was playing. The day before, I heard a Journey song come on. Now, all of us know who Journey is, right? Okay. Journey song came on. Instantly, I was taken back to like this little sweaty gym as a junior hire, like trying to, you know, feel all freaked out because girls wanted to dance, sort of, kind of, you know, and I didn't know how to dance. And so uh, that song took me back. It's amazing how a song has the ability to take you back to some place. And here we are at Christmas time. And, and during the Christmas season, we have so many songs that are unique to Christmas. And, with, and some of them are silly and fun, and some of them are deep and spiritual. But all these songs have the ability to take us back. First, it can take us back to earlier years with family and friends. And so when I hear certain Christmas songs, I start thinking about early memories with my family and, you know, some great memories, some not so great memories. Um, but, but those songs trigger and they take me back. But all these Christmas songs that are deep and spiritual really are designed to take us back all the way, all the way to the birth of Christ. And so what we've been doing as a church this month is we've just said, let's just pick a few of the most popular songs of Christmas that are well known, and let's dig into the history and meaning of these songs and look at the Bible passages that helped inspire them so it can help take us back to the birth of Christ. And so hopefully, if you've been with us, these songs have um, been unpacked in such a way that when you hear them now, uh, you can go to deeper places of worship and understanding. And if you weren't here, you can go online and listen to them or watch them and, and have deeper meaning and understanding. And we're going to look at one more song tonight. And, and the song started with a question. And this, this little priest, this ordinary priest, asked a, asked a guy um, named excuse me, asked a guy named Placide Capot in 1847 if he would write a poem for him. He said, would you write a poem for me, please? And so Capot said, sure, I'll write you a poem. And so uh, the, the story is that this part-time poet Capot uh, was traveling to France in a carriage, and he opened up the Bible, and he just hung out in Luke chapter 2, which is the, one of the accounts of the birth of Christ. And as he read the account from Luke chapter 2, he just put himself in the pages, he just immersed himself in the Christmas story and just imagined being there. And what led uh, to, to that moment came out this poem that he wrote called Cantique de Noel. It means a Christmas song. And so as he was reading this poem over and over and over again, he realized, man, this is really more than a poem. It, it truly is a song. And so he reached out to a guy that he knew named Adolphe Adam. And Adolphe Adam was a famous uh, composer, a musician. Some of you know him because he wrote Giselle. And so... Uh, he said, would you, would you put a melody to this, to this poem for me? And so Adam said, sure, I'll, I'll do that. And so he put a melody to this uh, poem, Cantique de Noël, and then in 1847 on Christmas Eve at the midnight service, this little church in France sang this song for the very first time, Cantique de Noël. And it really took root in the hearts of the people fast, and it became an annual favorite. Then in 1855, an American named John Sullivan Dwight heard it. And he was captivated by one particular lyric. And it was the one that says, Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother. And in his name, all oppression shall cease. 
And Sullivan was an abolitionist, and so that lyric caught his attention. And so he took this French song, and he translated it into English, and now we know it as, O Holy Night. And that's the history on the song, O Holy Night. Then, at 9 p.m. on Christmas Eve in 1906, this is pretty cool, from Brant Rock, Massachusetts, inventor Reginald Fessenden uh, broke the silence and the typical Morse code dots and dashes of the airwaves with a voice saying, Merry Christmas. He read out of Luke chapter 2, and then he picked up a violin, and he played, anyone want to take a guess? Oh, holy night. And so the very first radio broadcast ever in the history of the world was the reading of the Bible and a live performance of Oh, Holy Night. So this is a pretty cool song. And what I love about it is that God took um, an ordinary tune, he took an ordinary, a bunch of ordinary guys, and he really drew something holy out of it, something sacred and special. And, and it's so cool to see how he, how he does that, especially when you consider the following. The guy who wrote the poem, Capot, was an atheist. He didn't even believe what he was writing. And then the musician that he asked to write the melody for the song was Jewish. He didn't even believe in the Savior that the tune was going to match. And then you look at Dwight, the American guy who translated the song. He was, he was a, univer, a Unitarian. He didn't even believe in the full deity of Jesus Christ. And so isn't it amazing that God says, well, I'm going to use you anyways, you know? And so he took an atheist, a Jewish guy, and a Unitarian, and it's like, uh, it's like, it sounds like a joke, you know? And God took these ordinary guys with ordinary tunes and words and poems, and he made something holy out of it. Now, I don't know about you, but every time I hear Oh Holy Night come on, it just takes me back. It takes me back to the birth of Christ. It takes me back to that special moment. And so it's a phenomenal song. But we don't root our faith in songs. We root our faith in the scripture that inspires the songs. Amen? It's the Bible that gives us our faith. And so I just want to look at one verse with you today. Just one verse. I want to look at the verse that inspired and captured a song like, Oh, Holy Night. And so if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn there. You can just look on the screen. We're just looking at one verse. And we're looking at Luke chapter 2, verse 11. And that verse simply says, For unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. I just want to look at this one verse and unpack it, and look at the holy nature of these, what you would look at, say, ordinary words. Let's just pick it apart for a minute. For unto you, this is ordinary people. These are ordinary people that God makes holy people. And when you look at the word you here, it's plural. And so another way to understand this verse is unto all of you, or if you've got southern friends, it's unto y'all, right? Okay? And maybe it's unto all y'all. I guess that's the more proper if you're from you know, an area that talks like that. And so this is a plural understanding. So when the angels broke open the sky with this announcement in Luke chapter 2 about the birth of a Savior, and he said unto you, he wasn't just talking to the shepherds. He was talking to all the people in the region, all the people in the world during that time, and all the people that would live after that moment, including us. So it's appropriate for us to look at a verse like, uh, Luke 2.11, and, and unto us, right? Unto us, a child was born. And so he took ordinary, sinful, broken people. He says, I'm going to make you holy. I'm going to make you holy somehow. Well, how is that going to happen? Well, he continues on. For unto you is born this day. It's an ordinary day. It wasn't a day that's any different. It was a flip of a calendar, if you will. And so we look at the birth of Jesus as December 25th. I might pop some bubbles right now. This might be just earth-shaking for some of you. But Jesus probably wasn't actually born on December 25th. I just want you to know that. This is when people gasp. <gasps> you know, okay? 
We don't know what day Jesus was actually born. We just celebrate it on the 25th. It's very similar to this. Uh, a lot of orphans, that once the orphans are born and their birth moms take them to an orphanage or leave them in a place where they hope they can get care, once the orphanage caregivers and all the people that, that, that get their hands on this precious child, they said, when was this child born? They don't know the day. So they assign a day and they say, January 1st. And so there's a lot of kids born on January 1st. Does that matter to the parents that adopt these children? Nope. When do they celebrate the birthday of that precious child? January 1st. We celebrate the occasion, not necessarily the day. And so we've done the same thing with Christmas, all right? December 25th, that's the day we celebrate the birth of Jesus. It was an ordinary day, but you know what? It's a special day to us. It's a holy day because it draws us into worship and it draws us into the holiness of God and, and the holiness he offers to people through faith in Christ. And so it was an ordinary day that became a holy day, if you will. And then, for unto you is born this day in the city of David. It's an ordinary city. We know it as Bethlehem. Sure, it was, it was the uh, birthplace of King David, but King David was an ordinary guy that God raised up to be pretty much a holy and extraordinary king. And so we look at this little town of Bethlehem, which is like Bethlehem was a tiny, insignificant town. It wasn't a bustling metropolis. It wasn't a tourist destination. It was just this little town out in the middle of nowhere with nothing really significant about it. It was an ordinary town, but God was going to give it a holy um, significance. And even to this day, there's a holy significance with Bethlehem. You know, when, when I hear songs at Christmas that use the word Bethlehem, it takes me back. And it takes me back a year and a half ago. I had an opportunity to go to Israel. And while I was there in Israel, I had an opportunity to go to Bethlehem. And I had two really neat experiences there. One, and some of you maybe have been there, one, I went to the Church of the Nativity, which is built over, and it's the, it's the oldest functional church in the world today. It's built over what they believe was probably the birthplace of Christ. We don't know that for sure, but even if they have it off by a few feet, you know, or a few hundred yards, whatever, it's within visual range of where Jesus was born. And so to be standing on this land going, I'm in Bethlehem. This is mind-blowing. Like, Jesus was, was born here somewhere, you know? And then on top of that, I went out to the shepherd's fields. And when you look at Luke chapter 2 here, this is where the angels bust open the sky and are announcing the birth of the Savior to these shepherds. I stood in this area that's known as the shepherd fields, and, and you're on these craggly rocks and trees, and you're just looking over the, the hills, and you're going, somewhere here, over 2,000 years ago, the angels showed up and made this announcement. And so when I hear the word Bethlehem in a song, it takes me back because I was standing in a place that once was ordinary, but now because God did something spectacular and it became a holy place, a unique place, a sacred place. That's what our God does. And then we see this, for unto you, ordinary people, is born this day, ordinary day, in the city of David, an ordinary city, a Savior who is Christ the Lord, not ordinary, <laughs> not ordinary. This is where that holiness really kicks in. Because when we look at Jesus, he's God in the flesh, which, make, which makes him the epitome of holiness. He, he is God incarnate. There is nothing um, sinful about him. He is sinless, perfection. He is holiness, and he's set apart for the work of the Lord. And what we see here is three titles a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Three unique special titles given to Jesus um, in this announcement. First, Savior. Savior means one who would rescue. 
one who would deliver, one who would come and deliver. And we need deliverance. We need rescue from sin. You know, I remember um, years ago, I was driving my car. I needed something in the back seat. I knew it wasn't a good idea just to start reaching back there. So I pulled over so I could grab the thing. And as I reached back to grab it, what I didn't realize was that I had pulled off on a soft shoulder of the road, which ended up being a very muddy shoulder on the road. And so once I got the thing and hit the gas, this car won't go. And all of a sudden, it was one of those moments, maybe some of you have been there, where the car went like this. <laughs> I'm just stuck. I, I mean, I could push. I can hit the gas. Nothing I'm going to do is going to move this car. And some guy in a big beefy truck came along a little later, strapped up to me, and pulled me out. I needed to be delivered. I needed to be rescued. Years before that, I was stuck in another way. I was stuck in my sin. I was stuck in my rebellion against God. I was stuck in my lostness and my worldliness. And you know what? That put a barrier between God and I, the sin. All of us have a sin nature. Our sins put a barrier between us and God. And here's the thing. We can't get unstuck. You can't go to church enough. You can't do that many good works. You can't get out of your own mud pit. You need to be delivered. You need someone to come and rescue you. That's why Jesus was born, to come to rescue us through the birth, through the perfect life, through the, through the death, through the resurrection of Jesus. God offers us the opportunity to be unstuck, to take this ordinary stuck life and come into a place of holiness through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we worship. That's what we adore. The Savior, the one who comes to deliver and rescue us. We also see the word Christ here. A lot of people think Christ is Jesus' last name. We talked about this last week, right? Pastor Josh did that. Christ is not Jesus' last name. He doesn't have a Bible with the JC stamped on it. You know what I'm saying? Those aren't his initials. His name is Jesus, but Christ is a title. And it means Messiah. It means the anointed one the one chosen by God to be the one who comes and saves and rescues. So he is the Christ. He's the one that's set apart. And so we have to believe in Christ. We don't, we don't believe in good works. We don't believe in religion. We don't believe in church. We believe in Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. And then it says here that he is Jesus Christ, the Lord. Lord is an interesting word because it basically means ruler. It means master. It means the owner, the one to whom all things belong. Jesus Christ is the Lord of all. Here's the difference between probably two groups of people in this room. Some of you know that Jesus is Lord. Some of you don't yet. But we're all going to find common ground because one day we're all going to realize that Jesus is Lord. One day we're going to all realize that Jesus owns everything. And, and, and when it comes to the spiritual condition and, and, and understanding Jesus is Lord, people typically fall into four categories in their relationship with God. The first are, are people who say, you know what, I don't even know if God exists, so he's irrelevant, and it, it doesn't matter anyways. And, and there may be some of you here today, or some of you watching online right now, that's who you are. You're like, I don't even know if God's real. Well, one, thanks for being here. Thanks for just taking a step of faith and accepting an invitation or whatever brought you here or what got you watching online right now, because God's obviously knocking on the door of your life somehow. And he's trying to show you that he is real and that he is here. And so our encouragement and our prayer for you is just keep searching. Keep asking God to make himself real to you. Keep, you know, open up the Bible, start coming to church and just listen a little bit and see what you can learn. The second group of people are the people who say, no, God is real and he's, he's kind of important. Like, like it's, it's important to have God in the mix. So, um, you know, we give him a little head nod, show up to church a couple times a year. Um, you know, like, yeah, God's important. The problem there is that, that that's not acknowledging Jesus as the Christ or as Lord, 
It's like, hey, you're, you're just going to be this occasional relationship I check in with every now and then. That, that's not acknowledging Jesus as Lord. And our encouragement to you is you're, you're missing out. Like you're missing out on so much amazing things that God has for you in a relationship, not just an occasional religious check-in. The third group of people, it's really interesting. I think a lot of us find ourselves there at times. We say, no, 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 there's a God. And not only is he important, he, he's very important. So you got to put him at like the top of your list. He's got to be like in the top three to five things in your life. So make sure you're eating healthy, make sure you're exercising, make sure you have good income, and make sure you got this thing with God worked out. So it's just as good as all those other things. you got to kind of make God pretty important. The problem is that that's not an understanding of Jesus as Lord. The fourth category that we all should be aiming for and moving toward is that Jesus is everything. God is everything because he owns everything and he is everything to us. And, and, and when we start to worship the birth of Jesus and we start to see this understanding of who Jesus is unfold, that's where it takes us, where we go to that fourth area that Jesus is everything. God is everything. And when we get there in that relationship with Christ, we watch our sinful, broken, lost self get purged and get cleansed by belief and faith in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. And God makes us holy. It's the craziest thing. Some of you are going, there's no way I'm holy. I've got a list of things I've done that disqualify me from being holy. That's the beauty of Jesus is the one who was laid in the manger on Christmas morning, was the one who's going to be laid on a cross years later, and that cross is going to be hung up and display for all public eyes to see as God's way of saying, I love you this much, and I'm going to die for all that sin and unholiness so that the only way you can get through me is through this relationship with Jesus. And we can be made holy through that relationship with Jesus. And so we, we need to grab a hold of that. And for those of you who are in Christ, and we celebrate and we worship that, But there's probably some of you here that that you're not in relationship with Christ and you need that. You so desperately need that. Your life is so ordinary and the the ordinary routine for us is, hey, I get up, I go to work, I hope to make a bunch of money, I hope to buy a bunch of stuff and then I put my head down at the end of the night and I get up to do it the next day. Like that, that's ordinary. That's common. And Jesus wasn't born and Jesus didn't die so that we could be ordinary and common. He's got extraordinary, holy, amazing things for us in this life and the life to come. And that's why we can look at a song like Oh Holy Night and we can see those lyrics and it can pull us into that understanding and it can take us back. It can take us back to what scripture like Luke 2.11 has taught us. Like look at some of these lyrics in Oh Holy Night, just, just the first verse alone. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Man, we got that. We got that. That's pretty clear. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. I love that last part. That's my favorite part. Till the soul felt its worth. And we lay here pining. Some of you are like, like, mean like you're turning into a pine tree? Like, what's that mean? You know? Pining is, it, means, it means wasting away. And we look at the world, and we look at all the, like, just think of the events in the world in the last, like, two months. Man, the, the world is weary. The world is wasting away in nature. But that's why Christ came, so that our souls will feel the worth. God loves you. And your soul has so much worth that he demonstrated his love for you by coming in person. The birth of Christ, the incarnation, God made man, God with us so that he would live that perfect life and die on that cross as a sacrificial death to appease God's sense of justice and his nature of justice and have a supernatural resurrection from the dead so that he could conquer sin and death. 
And when that happens, the soul has worth. And we, we, we misplace worth in so many other areas. And then, then, then when those things go, we realize, wow, I guess, I guess my worth isn't in my identity and my job and that relationship and that house and those possessions and those belongings and that status. It's, it's in Christ. And the soul feels its worth. I love that lyric. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. I love that line too. You know what that means? It means new life. CVC exists to help invite people to new life in Christ. And I don't know what, what's burdening you. I don't know what's got you down. I don't know what's got you, man, just the black cloud over your life, the mistakes you've made, the, the, the strain in the relationships or whatever it is. And this lyric speaks to what the Bible says about new life in Christ, that there's this thrill of hope for those who are weary, for coming is a new and glorious morning. I love that lyric. And then, O night, O night divine. Here, here's where we got to be a little critical with the, the lyric. Remember, we don't, we don't root our foundation in songs of man, but in the word of God. It really wasn't a night divine. The one born that night was divine. <laughs> so Jesus took an ordinary night. He made it divine because he was divine. And Jesus can take an ordinary song and make it glorious and holy because he is glorious and holy. Whatever touches the Savior, whatever touches Jesus, is made holy. And so the question is, have you touched Jesus? <laughs> have you let him in? Have you surrendered your life to Christ? Or are you like, eh, he's, he's kind of important to have somewhere in the mix, like an accessory, an add-on, an upgrade every now and then. No, he, he's got to be everything. I, I believe that some of you are sitting here and, 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 and you know he needs to be your everything. Here's what's interesting. I, I don't know whatever happened to Capot. I don't know if he as an atheist ever got right with God. I don't know what happened with Adam. You know, I don't know if he ever came around to believe in Jesus as Messiah. I don't know about Dwight. I don't know if he ever came around to realize, oh no, Jesus is fully God. He's not just a man. I don't, I don't know those things, but I do know this. We all have an opportunity right now to draw closer to the one who was born to die, the one who was, had come to give us new life. We all have opportunity to get closer to him. For some of you, it means you're walking closely with Jesus already and you just want to walk closer. For some of you, you, you stopped walk, walking closely with Jesus, and because you're not touching him on a regular basis, you don't feel that holiness that he's offered you through the cross and through the resurrection. And so maybe, maybe today, tonight, it's time for you to come back close to him again and, and, and sense the worth of your soul. For some of you, you've never been in a relationship with Christ. Like this is the first time or one of several times where God's reminding you that without me, you're in trouble. And I did this beautiful thing. I took an ordinary day in an ordinary place so that you as an ordinary person can be made holy. And so really, it, it would be negligent of us to not provide an opportunity for you to, to make, be made right with God through relationship with Christ. And, and this is always tricky because, um, you know, we say, hey, why don't you pray with me? I'm just going to tell you right now, I'd like to lead you in a prayer. But it's not the words of the prayer that do anything for you. They're merely an expression of something that needs to happen in your heart. And so when you hear about the birth of Jesus and the life of Jesus and the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus, if your heart doesn't say, I believe, if your heart doesn't say, I got a lot to learn, but I'm going to start at the basic elementary belief step, then, then, then the words mean nothing. And so for those of you who might be here going, I don't have a relationship with Christ. I, I'm missing out on everything that God has for me. I want to invite you into an opportunity where you can tell God, today you're taking that first step of belief. And again, it's not the words that come out of your mouth, but it's the intent of the heart that's so critical. 
And so I just want to take us into a time of prayer right now. And I want to pray for those of you who don't know Christ and give you the opportunity to come to know Christ. I want to pray for those of you who are, have walked away from Christ. You need to come back today. I want to pray for those of you who are walking with Christ, that God would strengthen your walk, and you would sense that, that God can take your ordinary life and make it holy, something useful for him. So would you pray with me, please, for a little bit here? Lord, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity that we have, boys and girls and men and women, all ages and stages of life, I thank you that we can gather here that, that unto you, unto all of us, Lord. You've given us the Savior. And God, I pray for those right now that already know you. God, I pray for the men and women, the boys and girls that already know you as Savior. Lord, that as they continue to stay in contact with you, as they fight for time in your word and, and fight for time in prayer and, and just staying close to you, Lord God, that they would sense the, the, the holiness that you've given them in Christ uh, flowing through their life, Lord God. Fuel them with your forgiveness. Fuel them with that new life that you've given them already. Lord, I, I pray for uh, the, the men and women, the boys and girls here, that, Lord, they know you, but, but they've drifted. Now, now you're just one of several things that seem kind of important to them. Lord, may you be their Lord. May, may, may you be the one who is ruler over all. And God, may, may even in this very moment, they come back to you. If that's you, you can even say something. Say, God, I've drifted. God, I've walked away. Help me come close. Help me come close to you, Lord. Thank you for dying. Thank you for raising from the grave. Thank you for what you've given me. Help me not to neglect it or abandon it. Come, come, come walk close with me, Jesus, so I can be made holy. And for those of you here that don't know Christ, uh, but you know you need to, you can just say this to the Lord. Say, God, I believe. I don't believe everything because I don't know everything, but I believe enough. I believe that you were born. I believe that you lived a perfect life. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you rose from the grave to conquer sin and death. And so because of that, you offer me holiness. You offer me newness. And so right now, I believe, Jesus, help me to grow in my relationship. Come into my life and make me new. I believe in you as my Savior and my Lord, my ruler. In Jesus' name, we all pray, amen. Here's what I want to do. If you're a follower of Christ, and this is just a time of just complete, sheer celebration for you. Just, just embrace it. Just, just, just love on the Lord through prayer, through singing, and just let your Christmas season be full of joy. For those of you who, um, man, man, you've walked away from the Lord, and God's been calling you home, and tonight you just said, I'm coming back home. Would you tell a Christian friend who's probably been praying for you, maybe it's a mom, a dad, brother, sister, a friend, say, hey, you know what? I've been gone too far from the Lord for too long now. And so I'm coming back into a relationship with Christ. Would you hold me accountable? Would you pray for me? I need to be back in the Bible. I need to be back in church. I need to be back in my prayer life. Would you help me and share that with a friend that gives you some accountability? And if you made a decision for Christ today, I'm going to challenge you to do something very bold because a lot of times people will say a prayer and then they just walk out the door like, okay, I'm good. And you know what? Not necessarily. You need to grow. You need to clarify the decision you've made and move into it. And so here's what I'm inviting you to do. Uh, we're going to be singing a series of songs. We're just going to just sing some great Christmas songs here in a minute. During the time that we're singing those songs, from the very first song, second, third, whatever, if you pray to receive Christ, I'm going to ask you to do two things. One, there's a response card somewhere around you, a chair in front of you. Would you just take that time to pull that response card out, write down your information, and, and just put, I'm giving my life to Christ, I'm believing in Christ, I'm trusting in Christ, Something like that. 
And during the time that we're singing these songs, would you just go out to the information area out here just for a minute? And, and we're all going to be standing. It'll be easy to move. Don't let the fact that, you know, you're next to someone who doesn't understand what you're doing yet uh, stop you. Don't let the fact that you might be in the middle of a row stop you or you're in the balcony. Just, just say, excuse me, and come down and bring that card. And there's several people out in the uh, foyer there with a red lanyard with a name tag. And they're just there to say congratulations, and they want to give you something to help you grow in your new relationship with Christ. It's just a small gift. It's a Bible. There's just a little thing we wrote to help you understand how to grow in, in the decision you've made. Another gift called A Case for Christmas to help you understand more about the birth of Christ and how God took all this ordinary and made holiness out of it. And so during these next couple songs, stand up, go out to the foyer, and just be congratulated, give a gift, and then come back and start to grow. And so that, that's, that's the invitation for you guys. But what we're going to do right now is just move into song. We're going to take what we've learned, take, take what we understand. We're just going to sing out for a while. I'll come back in a few minutes and just give you some final instructions before we leave. But would you stand with me? And let's just worship the birth of Jesus through singing right now.